You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. In his sermons, Jesus urged us to adopt his character, his way of life, his example of morality and integrity and mercy and forgiveness and love and generosity. Jesus said, adopt these things, adopt my character. Jesus said, let your light so shine that man will see your good works, right? Today, Pastor Dion shares with you in his message that a person demonstrating a good example is better than good advice. A Christian needs to ask themselves, who am I becoming? If the answer is not like Christ, then you need to make some character changes. Jesus encouraged his disciples to show traits of morality, integrity, mercy, forgiveness, love, and generosity. This can sound like a lot of work. Take heart, God doesn't demand perfection. Instead, try to embrace one or two of Jesus' characteristics and slowly you'll adopt his heart. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 17 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Here in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is on the last leg of his ministry or his journey to Calvary. Here he's on the last leg. He's on the last leg to headed to Jerusalem for his execution. There's only about one week at this juncture, there's only about one week left before Palm Sunday. About two weeks left before Jesus' resurrection. And during this time, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching, a lot of coaching, a lot of instructing, a lot of correcting. Because God knows we need guidelines. And Jesus, before he leaves, is making sure that he gives us all the information and the guidelines that we need. We need guidelines. You know, my son Jed played for a few different college football teams, both in-state and out-of-state. And each of the teams had a playbook that Jed had to agree with and memorize. The playbook had the expectations and guidelines for being on the team. Conditioning, conduct, sportsmanship, strategies, formations, and plays. All of that in that particular playbook. Well, Jesus has been communicating His expectations and guidelines for the past few chapters. He has been giving us a playbook. He's been giving us a black and white, or I would say a red letter, Christian playbook. A red letter through his teachings, giving us a red letter Christian playbook. Why? Because Jesus, and being a disciple of Jesus, is more than following him on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat. Being a disciple is more than just following Being a disciple is more than just being touched by Him, inspired by Him, and even saved by Him. Being a disciple is more than that. Being a disciple is becoming like Him. So, in these last 
few days that Jesus has. He's teaching. He's instructing. He's coaching. And he's doing a lot of it. Simply because he doesn't want us to just be inspired by him. He doesn't just want us to be touched by him. He doesn't want us to even just be saved by him. He wants a little more. He wants us to be like him. Becoming like Jesus is God's agenda and expectation for us. It's what God had in mind when he chose us, when he called us, when he saved us. In fact, here's the verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who come to him should become like his son. I want to read it again, don't you? I, I like it. For from the beginning, God decided that those who come to him should become like his son. So God desires that, and Jesus doesn't want us to be clueless about what being like him means. So Jesus was teaching. Jesus was revealing his playbook, giving us the plays to memorize and the rules to follow. Here is what Jesus tells us. The first thing here in chapter 17, be a what? A good example. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, God, God's plan for your life is that when He first saved you, when He chose you, when He decided to save you, His plan for your life was that you be like His Son, Jesus. Amen? And so Jesus, while he's teaching, saying, hey, listen, I don't want you to be clueless about what that looks like. So I'm going to give you a playbook. I'm going to give you some instructions, some coaching on how to be like me. And the first thing he tells us here in chapter 17 is be a good example. Here it is. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Listen, every Christian is an example. Whether we are a good or a bad example is up to us. So everyone's an example. Whether we're a good or a bad example is up to us. Our communication, attitudes, behaviors, and lifestyles can draw people closer to God or can turn them away from God. So remember, a good example is the best sermon. A good example has twice the value of good advice. So if we want to measure our Christianity, the question to ask is not, what am I learning? But who am I becoming? I'm going to say that again. If we want to measure our Christianity, the question to ask is not, what am I learning? But who am I becoming? In his sermons, Jesus urged us to adopt his character, his way of life, his example of morality and integrity and mercy and forgiveness and love and generosity. Jesus said, adopt these things, adopt my character. 
Jesus said, let your light so shine that men will see your good works, right? Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you show to one another. And Paul told us to exude the fruits of the Holy Spirit. He told us to have a ristra of virtues. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and humility and faith and self-control. In other words, between Jesus and Paul, this is the message we get. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, this is how Paul kind of shared it. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Be an example in the what you say, in the way you live, in the way you love, in your faith, and in your purity. Then Titus chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And here you yourself must be an example to them of good deeds, of every kind. Let everything you do reflect your love of the truth and the fact that you are sold out to it. Be an example. Let it shine. Let those things shine. You see, if we aren't intentional about cultivating our spiritual lives and maintaining a good example, we can get careless and clumsy. How many of you have been there? Don't raise your hands. Just, huh? But if we aren't intentional about cultivating our spiritual lives and maintaining a good example, we can get careless and clumsy and we can hurt people. We can allow our hurts, our hang-ups, our heresy, or hypocrisy to derail younger Christians behind us. If we don't maintain those things that Christ asked us to adopt, we'll get careless and clumsy. And before long, we'll hurt people with our compromises. Our compromises can result, as Jesus said, in serious consequences. God holds us personally responsible for the ones who backslide because of our lack. And it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. God holds us personally responsible. There are serious consequences, and according to Jesus, it's not pretty. You see, Jewish capital punishment was stoning. But Gentile capital punishment, those who were not Jews, the Romans, for example, Gentile capital punishment was a one-way ticket to Davy Jones' locker. Capital punishment for Gentiles back then was to walk the plank with a commercial millstone tied around your neck. That's a 25 to 40 pound stone and you were to walk the planet. That was capital punishment. So that's why Jesus said, hey, listen, if you hurt somebody and cause them to stumble, if you are the tripwire, if you are the stumbling block, 
he says, because of your, you know, clumsiness and your compromise. He said, it would be better for you to go through capital punishment than for what you're going to get. Jesus said the judgment for derailing someone's faith and spiritual progress will be worse than capital punishment. Well, what could be worse than capital punishment? Now, Jesus already elaborated on the subject of hell. In his story of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus described hell as a place of eternal torment, a place where fear, anxiety, and pain never cease. The worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. So Jesus is warning, if you can't be a good example, then you're going to serve as a horrible warning. Now listen, of course, Jesus is talking to people who are doing this intentionally. But nevertheless, the idea is Jesus saying, hey, listen, I want you to be a good example. I want you to shine with good works. I want you to exude a ristra of character, a character like God. I want you to do that. I want you to be that. Be a good example. Because if you are not and people are hurt because of you, there are consequences. If you do hurt somebody, if you are that person... And in case you want to change your ways, Jesus told us how we can make a U-turn from being a bad example. Aren't you glad Jesus kind of gave us the, the, the whole truth, the whole picture? He doesn't just leave you hanging over hell and, you know, things getting sweaty and hot and, and you know, feeling condemned. But he says, hey, listen, you can make a U-turn. If you've been a bad example, if you've been clumsy and compromising, he said you can make a U-turn. Jesus told us how we can make a U-turn from a bad example. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus is actually teaching, uh, you know, teasing this same teaching out a little bit in another, at another time. And here's what it says. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, same subject, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. What sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter into eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fires of hell. Now listen, he's not talking literally, go get an axe and you know, take off your hand for causing you to sin. Because it's not that that's causing you to sin, but it's something deeper. Listen, if your anger, your lust, your greed your jealousy, your pride, your selfishness is making a bad example of you? Is making you look like a jerk or worse? A hypocrite? Cut him off. The anger, the lust, the greed. Cut it off and cast it from you. Get rid of it. Kind of like the guy who took his car into the mechanic. 
saying that, you know, whenever I make a turn, either right or left, the car makes a really loud, terrible noise, he told the mechanic. And when the mechanic took it out for a test drive to identify the problem, he came back in and he gave the man a $100 invoice. The car owner said, Wait, well, what did you do? He said, I removed the bowling ball from the trunk. Jesus said, get the bowling ball out of your trunk. Get it up. Get rid of the problem. Jesus wants us to be a good example. So if there are things that are causing you to be a bad example, start dealing with them. Start cutting them away. It's in Jesus' playbook. Cut them off and get rid of them. Amen? Next, Jesus says, here's something else. Jesus wants you to be a good example, but next to the playbook, Jesus says, I want you to be a great encourager. Let's read it. Verse 3. So he said, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. So first of all, he talked about you sinning against your brother and hurting people. And now he says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Alright, so here's the next thing. If we're hurting people, we need to deal with us. And in fact, we need to start there. We need to start there. And then here's the next thing. Hey, listen, hey, we're going you know, to see people that are hurting others. And here's what he says. He says, rebuke. So let's say you know a Christian who is being a bad example. Tripping people up. You know, as Nacho would say in Nacho Libre, a real douche, you know. Let's say you know that guy. This person is derailing the faith of someone you know or love. How should we handle it? Well, Jesus helps us understand it. Jesus used the word rebuke. And some people think that means vigilante justice. Going all Charles Brunson on the perp is what they think that means. Rebuke them. You know, do you believe in Jesus? Right? Well, now you're going to meet him. Right? That kind of stuff. No. We don't use guns, us Christians, in this situation. But words and attitudes do just as much damage. See somebody that's doing something wrong going to go take care of it, or we're going to handle it. Vigilante justice, scolding, slander, sarcasm, separation, you know, condescension. But the idea of rebuke, that's not what rebuke is. The idea of rebuke is to go to the offender privately with the intention of helping them get better. Helping them repent and change directions. Helping them heal and be restored. In other words, no man left behind. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're the perp, then you need to deal with those problems that are hurting people, right? But when you see others that are the perp, you aren't to go over there and give vigilante justice. That's not what rebuke means. But to go and privately with the intention of helping them get better. 
Jesus explained it like this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Read it with me. If another believer sins against you, everybody, go privately. Go what? Go privately to that person and point out the offense. Not go to the prayer meeting and let them know what's going on. Not go to five other people and tell them, this is what's been happening. Just so they can, you can get them on your side. No. It's a go to them privately and point out the offense that you're hurt. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Paul echoed Jesus in this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He said, Dear brothers, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, meaning mature, should gently and humbly help him back onto the right path, remembering that next time it might be you who is in the wrong. In other words, don't be an arrogant, condescending judge holding a fixed arraignment on that person. Don't be that guy. Instead, confront the offender with care and compassion because you never know if it will be you or someone you love in the same situation next time. Wow. So don't discourage Encourage. Encouragement is the oxygen to the soul. Everyone needs it. Everyone wants it. Everyone responds well to it. Kind of like this little poem. Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I'll never forget you. This is the guy Jesus wants us to be. James chapter 5. Let's read it out loud together. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Be that guy. Right? So, if you've been the offender, stop hurting people. Cut those things out of your life. If you've seen someone hurting people, don't become judge and jury with vigilante justice. Encourage and restore. And if you are the one that is offended, everybody say the word, what? Don't you like the way Jesus deals with hurts? You hurt people, I'm going to show you how to deal with it. You see other people hurt someone else, here's how to deal with it. When you are the one that's hurt, it says forgive. Jesus goes on, Luke chapter 17, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. As we cling to the simple Jesus' life changed history. When He came to earth, everything people knew shifted, and a new way of interacting with God began. Jesus shows you how to live, how to love, and how to devote yourself fully to sharing the truth of God's Word. 
As you continue to discover the details of your incredible Savior's life, we pray you long to be more like Him. Seek Him in all you do and let Him change your heart to be more like His. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Luke. We'd like to encourage you to spend even more time studying the Word, learning about Jesus' life in this and the other Gospel books. Ask the Holy Spirit to accompany you as you read and point out the passages that He knows your heart needs to hear. We'd love to pray for you during this series as well, so please let us know how we can specifically be lifting you up to the Lord. Give us a call at 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. Do you live in the Española area? If so, come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us virtually through Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Just follow the link to Facebook that you'll find at tmcalvary.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us again next time, right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands, and together we stand. Together